0: If we can allow ourselves to be as we are, allow ourselves to feel something, then that is what actually transforms it. Because I do think we misinterpret acceptance as an end. And I always say it is actually a beginning.
1: I'm Dr. Mark Rowe, and welcome to my podcast, In The Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations share life lessons, health habits, and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine, and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrowe.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my Self-Development Club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarkro.com. It gives me great pleasure to be joined in the doctor's chair today by Fiona Brennan. Fiona is an acclaimed clinical hypnotherapist, two-time best-selling author so far, mental health expert, ambassador for positivity and well-being. You're very welcome, Fiona.
0: Thank you, Mark. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. And your amazing home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. And it's great to be able to do this in person now that COVID is settling and so on.
0: It really is.
1: Fiona, where did your passion for self-care and positivity and self-love, where did it all come from?
0: Well, Mark, I would say I've always been a positive person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would not say I always cared for myself as well as I do now. I would say that my positivity would have come mainly from my mother, who was a very, very outgoing, you know, she would always look at life, the glass, you know, half full mm. type of perspective.
1: An optimist.
0: Absolute optimist. Um, and so I think I, I always admired her and and a lot of it would have of sort of come off on me in the sense that even though I think when we're children, we can not necessarily listen to our parents, but it's still, we're soaking it in. Mm. So I think it was there, if you, fermenting in, in a really positive way. Um, But like I said I think that self-care was something that I wasn't very good at until I got older (laughs) into my sort of late 20s and 30s. Um, I would say that I would almost go as far to say it was self-neglect in many ways that I didn't care for myself uh, on a very practical level but also emotionally and psychologically.
1: What was the tipping point for you?
0: I would say the birth of my son really. That's Mm -hmm. I think like many people that when you have a child yourself, you, you realize that this goes beyond you mm. in terms of the consequences and how important it is for you to really care for yourself because that way then you're, you're going to be a foundation and a rock of support for your children. Um, so I think that it had, the journey had started, but I think that's when it really had its tipping point.
1: I often think you know if you think of a torch in a relay race we we, we pick up the torch from from the values our own parents give us mm-hmm. and then we pass it on to the next generation
0: and I think that's what's so important is that we're able to do that to notice that and so much the heart of the work that I do is awareness mm. and acceptance we were talking about acceptance earlier as as such an integral part of you know for example, being able to accept I am struggling right now i mm. uh, I could be doing better and therefore once that acceptance is in place, you're at the beginning of transformation.
1: And I suppose acceptance, it really is a key component of self-compassion.
0: Yes, it is. It is. And it's one that I keep coming back to with, with clients, with myself, with, you know, that so many people, it's that resistance, you know, to resist, for example, feeling anxious, to resist feeling overwhelmed. It just creates more of the very thing that we don't want. And the kindest of thing that we can do for ourselves, but then also for others, when you think about your relationships, is to accept the person as they are, rather than how we want them to be, or, you know, we, we think they should be,
1: uh, to give people space for that. And sometimes acceptance, it sounds so easy but it can be so difficult.
0: It's really difficult, Mark. And it, I, do you know what I was thinking? I was talking about this reasoning with a client. I was like, maybe acceptance isn't the right word. Because acceptance, so many people interpret it as the end of something. If I accept, well, okay, I just accept it and I do nothing. But it's actually the opposite. But maybe it's, it's linguistics or semantics, you know, in terms of being able to say, well, maybe allow is a better word. Mm. If we can allow ourselves to be as we are, allow ourselves to feel something, then that is what actually transforms it. Because I do think we misinterpret acceptance as an end. And I always say it is actually a beginning.
1: Mm, I love that, you know, because really every ending is a new beginning. And I think allowing is a great word, Fiona, allowing yourself to be fully human, to embrace the fullness and richness of who you are, embrace your imperfections.
0: Yes, yeah. what it
1: means to be really human.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. Giving yourself permission um, takes so much pressure off because once we have that, that level of compassion, then we start to move forward rather than staying stuck in that resistance, which so many people do, you know, because it's very hard.
1: So I think, and this idea is just falling in my head listening to you, there's, there, there's three, three A's I would talk about now. Firstly, there's awareness. Yeah. Secondly, there's allowing beautiful word. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, of course, there's action because it's all about action, isn't it? It's all about what we do. Yes. Talk to me about self-care through Fiona's lens. What does self-care mean for you?
0: Well, I would look at it on two levels. I look at it on the very practical level in terms of, let's say, the pillars of lifestyle medicine and that you're, you know, really looking at your, your diet, your exercise, your sleeping, your ability to manage stress, you know, the practical things, um, your um, ability to, to make time for friends um, and then to, to avoid risky substances is one of the pillars mm-hmm. of lifestyle medicine. Often so,
1: forgotten about, but really important.
0: Yeah, alcohol, um, smoking, etc. Um, so those, I think, once, once they're in place, you're in a, a very strong position then to look perhaps at the more subtle areas of self-care which is back to that more emotional uh, cleansing and healing.
1: Mm.
0: So for example, taking time to, to spend with yourself and by yourself and mm. nurturing that relationship, mm-hmm. not in a way that is um, with an end in mind, but like any relationship in our life, I think we need to invest in it in terms of time and attention. So really flowering yourself, if you like, with that same level of care that you give to others by just permitting, allowing yourself to be. So that could be like something I did recently um, as self-care, was I took myself off to Glenstall Abbey, um, which was just amazing. I went off on my own for, I think it was two or three nights and really didn't communicate with very much at all, with anyone at all, apart from myself. And nature, and I think that um, is very healing and very, very uh, important because you're, you're you're actually saying you yourself deserve my attention. I don't have to to divide it. And honestly, Mark, like in my work, one of the the, the things that I see so often is that people are, do not do that in any shape or form people are unfortunately putting themselves at the end of their to-do lists or not even at the end they're not on the to-do list they don't get a (laughs) they don't get a look in uh which is really unfortunate because quite often then it's it's they're being pushed and they're that's when they're close to burnout quite often that's when I see people when they're at a very high highly anxious state
1: and I see a lot of burnout as well I mean that sense of emotional exhaustion and people that run themselves ragged I mean why do you think Fiona that people neglect their own self-care when it is so obvious and it seems so foundational to well-being
0: because we're not taught to I think we're taught the opposite Mm. we're taught that this is selfish Mm. you know even this morning I met a woman who said that you know she'd feel guilty even just taking a bath like she's wasting time taking a bath because she should be doing something, you know, she has seven children. And it's like, well, I should be doing something. I should be doing something. So we're conditioned into this sense of being productive. And when we when when it seems like we're doing nothing, as in taking a bath or you know walking in nature, just purely for our own well being, that I think deep down subconsciously there is a guilt that emerges, especially for many women and men also, but that. This is not somehow good enough. I need to be contributing. I need to be doing. And that in itself is, is pressure. And what happens is, as you know, Mark, you'll see it in, in your work, is that it's not sustainable. So people then start to, you know, the, the signs start to show that they start to crumble in one way or another, whether it's physically or emotionally or
1: quite often both. So I suppose it's this idea, this false idea that, you know, if you're valued And if you value yourself, you're going to be busy and you won't have any downtime or any spare time for luxuries like baths or luxuries like silent retreats in Glenstall or walks in nature. Isn't that it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Whereas
1: the opposite is really the case.
0: The opposite is the case because then you're able to give. And, you know, one of my core values is giving. Mm. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And I do that to the best of my ability, like I do my, you know, my Instagram lives every Wednesday on there. Therapy on the couch, and um, because that's my way of, of being able to to do what I can to help, because I know there's a lot of people who need it. But I can't do that if I'm not in that place myself. I don't. You can't. You know. I often think it's a bit, a bit like a, an energy resource, like money. So if I said to you, Mark, you know, can you can you give me a thousand euro, and you're like, well. I don't have a thousand euro. You can't give it to me. And it's the same for energy. So if you have the energy, you can give it. But so many people are operating at a deficit. So they're trying to give something that they don't have. And therefore, it's not, uh, it's not actually providing that healing quality, for example because it's not there. So there's resentments can build up and people can feel like the victim mentality. So it leads to a whole uh, plethora of of problems.
1: Well, you're so right. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think I'm going to change what I said earlier about the three A's. I'm going to change it now to four A's. So (laughs) we have awareness, obviously, at the starting point. Then we have allowing, allowing ourselves to be fully human. There's action. And of course, then there's attention. As you rightly said, paying attention to what matters, which is your own self-care, spending time quietly in silence and replenishing your energy, not just for yourself, but that you can also give that to others.
0: Absolutely. And, and ultimately to give it to others, I mm. think that that's what that is what can motivate you to take that time rather than pushing yourself and, and giving from an empty place. Because it's not authentic then. You know when somebody's trying to help you, but you can see that they're exhausted and they don't actually have that capacity. It, it just creates a lose-lose situation.
1: I was talking to a woman last week and she was telling me how she has quit drinking alcohol completely, uh, except maybe on special occasions. But what she was doing, which I think is really good, is that the money she was spending on alcohol she's spending on herself by traveling. She's gone off to lots of destinations in Europe, yeah. Uh, little places in Ireland, and she's really investing in her own self-care through experiences.
0: Fantastic. And then there you can see that direct correlation between she hasn't given anything up, she's just gained, isn't that it? Yeah, wonderful.
1: Whereas sometimes, as you said at the start of our conversation, people get stuck in this circuit of self-sabotage. Whether it's self-sabotage in terms of their negative thinking patterns or in terms of their habits, whether it's sugar or alcohol or
0: yes, exactly. toxic
1: relationships, whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. And again, I think we're conditioned to use those um, different mechanisms to to escape, to avoid mm. quite often emotional pain, mm. uh, because in the short term it gives that, you know, sort of release, but ultimately and very quickly it it, it snowballs. And I think that's where people quite often become more conscious of that when when it's hit a certain point. Like you said, what's the tipping point? And you know, you'll find that quite often there is a tipping point for people when the suffering is too great, and something emerges within that person that that wakes them up. If you like, now I need to do something. This is not sustainable.
1: And I suppose the thing is, we all experience pain. It's called life. We all suffer. Mm you know there's a buddhist idea that happiness and suffering are both parts of the same story really you
0: absolutely can't, you, know, you can't do yes. one without the other A 100% and and you know one of the things that i think is very important is to be comfortable with suffering which uh, it gets back goes back to our allowing
1: so if you were looking back now fiona at your 22 year old self what would you say to her?
0: You're going to laugh. I would say, <laughs> "Don't drink so much. <laughs> don't drink so much because it's it's interesting. We're just talking about that, but I definitely would have used alcohol as a way to would you? yes, yes, to have fun, but also to to deal with with things I I wasn't dealing with mm. or wasn't dealing with them at all by uh, drinking. But I know that it it made everything ten times worse. Mm. It really did. It 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 sort of eroded my sense of self, my health. It it wasn't it wasn't pretty. I mean, I'm not making out it was completely. It was a little bit wild, but um, yeah. I would say, I would take her by the hand. I'd say, sweetheart, don't don't drink so much. Let's let's let me listen. Let me talk to you. Let me help you. Um, because this is is not doing you any favors. Um. Yes, and I would say also that at, at the heart of it, I'm I'm really proud of you, because I think everything was there. I think all of the components of who I am today were there. They just needed uh, the light, if you like, to shine in and to help them to to blossom.
1: Well, we're all formed by our experiences, but there's no doubt, you know, and I've seen it so many times. Alcohol numbs your emotional sense of self it's such a depressant in terms of anxiety, panic, low mood, as you said, impacting negatively on your sense of self, your self-esteem, your self-confidence. And as you said, Fiona, it's really about awareness of that and understanding that there is a different path.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't, I mean, back then that conditioning was that this is what you did. Mm. You know, if you wanted to have fun, if you wanted to connect, then it was like a rite of passage almost.
1: And it's still there now.
0: It is. I think it's a, thankfully though, the, the, the younger generation are more aware than, than I, I think than, than I was anyway. Um, but I do, I remember a certain uncle speaking to me and he said, you know, you don't have to drink so much. And I was like, what is he talking about? Why Why would you not? You know, it didn't even cross. It's kind of like a, a brainwashing or something. Um, but it is, I think it is fuel to the fire. If you if you suffer from anxiety, it just makes everything.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, as I say, it's like one step forward tonight, but three steps back in the morning.
0: Yes, people, you know, and I see it again with my clients sometimes that they, the rumination, catastrophizing, everything really starts to compound. So, um, yeah, I would say I'd say I love you very much, but let's let's stay home tonight. <laughs> did,
1: did you quit alcohol completely?
0: No, I I still do, but very very little. Mm. I'm no good at it, <laughs> thankfully, and I I don't really have no interest, you know. So I might have a glass of prosecco on a celebration or something, but mm-hmm. I I don't. Um, yeah, it, it has no uh, no interest in it really. It's nice, but it's it's celebrate that's it
1: well as a doctor I would say alcohol can be a good servant but it's a very bad master
0: yes and
1: there was an old saying you know the man has a drink the drink has a drink and then the drink has the man yeah Uh, and you know I've I've seen it so many times over the years people or their relationships their careers just destroyed absolutely they, they don't see it it creeps up on them so insidiously
0: exactly yes yeah and i think that's the thing it's it's like you have to be in charge of that relationship and a a give or you can take it or leave it and more often leave it really because it it does you know as you know you're a doctor what it does to you physically Mm. never mind mentally as well Mm. yeah
1: so how do you stay healthy now fiona I, i mean you're radiating health looking at you
0: oh thanks mark yeah i do i work hard to to stay mm. healthy in terms of you know, I do a lot of yoga, yoga would be one of my big things in mm-hmm. terms of it is that connection with your mind and your body, um I go running and um, I do a lot of meditation, hypnotherapy. I really practice what I preach because mm. I think that's integral, like I don't want to be sitting there with a client telling them, I think you need to do this, you need to do that. Unless I am also, and it, for me it's yoga. For somebody else, it might be you know tai chi or you know whatever whatever it is that works for you. But I think finding what what works for you, and then I I do prioritize that. Like I will put that into my diary. You know, not just as a kind of I might go to yoga. No, it's in there and it's scheduled. And God love you if you try to get in and take it yeah. away from me, because <laughs> I I think it's. It's really important. Um, it's not. It's not a luxury. It's. It's for me, and I think for all of us, it's a necessity.
1: And it's getting back to that idea that if you value something, you will prioritize it, and it's about action. And if you want to be an active participant in your own well-being, you have to walk the walk.
0: Yes, exactly. You do. You do. And it, so many people. Again, it's. 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 A you know, I, I say that to, to my clients, please put this into your diary. The way, you know, we had an appointment here today, so here we we both are. We honor that. Do that for yourself, you know, so that you have that same level of commitment. because you, you're you are letting yourself down. If each if you say, I'm going to do this tonight, I'm gonna to go to the gym or I'm gonna go for a walk, and you don't, well then you're actually you're you're dishonoring a commitment that you made. It's to yourself. Um, and writing, as you know, there's a lot of research that when we write things down, we're more likely to do them. So even a little quick note in your journal the night before. So tomorrow, what am I? I think a good question to ask yourself on a practical level is, what am I going to do tomorrow that ensures I'm looking after myself?
1: And it's often the small things.
0: Yes, yeah, it is. But it's it's habit, it's repetition, you know. And again, if you don't do it one day, and I've heard you say the same work, you know. It doesn't matter. You know, don't be hard on yourself. Absolutely, It goes back to compassion. And I think that compassion-based resilience comes from being kind to yourself when you don't honour that commitment. And you say, okay, I didn't go for my walk today, but I can go tomorrow. And therefore there's space.
1: Yeah, like none of us is a machine. We're human beings. And every day, as I say, Fiona, is a new opportunity to become more like the person that you want to be. Yes, it's a new new opportunity, a new chance.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And as you said, it does come down to habits, though, because we are ho- what we repeatedly do. And you know, excellence is a habit, and valuing your health is a habit.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that would be what I do on a on a practical level. I would say those those you know and like I said, I'm pretty consistent with them. You know, if we if I travel or anything, I'll I'll still make sure that I I keep that going. I think that's really good in terms of balance that, that you know, there isn't an extreme, you know, that you, you like if you're on holiday, that you can still go for your walk. You can still, you know, um, do your meditation, you know, so I have strong meditation practice as well. And then I'd listen to hypnotherapy quite often as well, pretty much every day. <laughs> and I know, I know that it's, it's, I notice the difference when I don't do it, you know, um, which isn't very often, but I do even, I can see, you know, that, that I... Uh, how beneficial it is
1: well to gift yourself presence that is a real gift and whether that comes through a mindful practice or meditation or sitting quietly by yourself or being in nature these are all ways to still the mind Mm. and release maybe some emotional toxicity and reveal the inner essence of who you are
0: Exactly. Yes. Yeah, it is. I think you said it there, Mark, in terms of stilling the mind, Mm -hmm. that our minds are so busy. And when we're caught up in that fog of thoughts, it's very hard to see anything, you know, to to have any kind of clarity on where you want to be in, in your life, because you are in a reactive state. So we need to actually slow the mind down. And that take, that is a practice and it takes commitment, uh, but it's one that's so, so valuable. You're never going to regret having a slower mind in terms of space between your thoughts. In that space, that's where so much creativity comes from. That's where so much compassion comes from. That's where our ability, even now I'm sitting here and I'm just looking out at the amazing view behind your window there, if a person is so caught up in their own mind, you, you don't see that. You miss the world, you miss what's right there. And I think that's very unfortunate. We want to do all we can to to bring ourselves back mm-hmm. to this moment and, and really soak it in because that's this is life now.
1: And life is lived day by day. And And of course, when people are stressed, you move into that red button, into the amygdala and your perspective narrows and everything, as you said, is reactive. And that merry-go-mind is, is, is racing. And it, it's really, it's like a pond, isn't it? Still the pond so that you can really be aware of every little ripple.
0: Exactly. Yes, that's it. Yeah. And, and I think when people experience that peace, they realize, my goodness, this is, it's accessible to us all. We're no different from, you know, we all have that capacity. But it's the experiencing of it. You can talk about it all you like. But until you experience it, then, you know, yes, this is
1: this is a way to live. What's the best lesson you've ever learned, Fiona?
0: Well, it probably goes back to what we're really talking about. And and I think it is, you know, to do with my own mental health. The best lesson I ever learned was was to care for myself, really, and Mm -hmm. to honor myself. I would say that is it in terms of being open to and accepting who I am and allowing that to be.
1: Wonderful. And if we were looking forward, say three, five years from now, mm. what does that future version of Fiona look like and what's she doing?
0: She's sitting here with you, Mark, having another podcast, because I'll be like, <laughs> it's about time, Mark. It was a few years ago now there, I saw you. <laughs> um, to be honest, I will be delighted um, as I am now. I think mm-hmm. just just more of of me, the same mm-hmm. as I, you know, I, I don't really see that changing um, because I'm very much at peace with who I am mm, now. That's great. Yeah. And I, I just want that to, you know,
1: to, to continue, really. And I think that's a great lesson as well as to that you don't have to be striving into the future. Yeah. That, that now is all we have. And to, you know, allow and accept and take action now, today and be at peace with that.
0: Exactly. Tomorrow
1: will take care of itself.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think, and that's that's what comes from the still mind, Mark. That's where that emerges.
1: And how would you define success, Fiona? It's a very strange word. It's open to a lot of different interpretations. I know,
0: it? it is. I suppose I would look at it more spiritually, like, you know, um, Deepak Chopra's book, the, the Six Spiritual Laws of Success. That's one of my very favourites from, from early on. And I think that success is, is that peaceful state of mind, mm. you know, that it, you're right, it can, success can, it can feel like, oh, it's the external, it's the beautiful house, the car, etc. It's the
1: destination.
0: Yeah. I think that, that, that feeling that I was speaking about earlier, that, that still and peaceful mind, as a human being, that, that's success, because you are fully present, you're open to the moment as it is, not how you think it should be. But flowing with life, uh, flexibility, you know, to be able to move with it and to appreciate it and to be grateful for it and to be grateful for when it's not like flowing the way you want it to. You know, that's the real skill. Um, so success for me is, is much more of an internal process mm-hmm. than anything external.
1: So you've spoken there about success in terms of peace, in terms of spiritual well-being, in terms of gratitude, in terms of going with the flow, and staying flexible. That that beautiful idea from Lao Tzu and the Tao Te Ching that, you know, you're flexible. Yes, I like adaptable.
0: Exactly, Mark. You're
1: changeable. You're not stuck. You're not rigid. You're not fixed. You're open. You're growing.
0: Yes, and what I do sometimes when I, when I can feel that inflexibility coming up is just to, to imagine the sound of a river that's coming down from the mountains and it's moving. So, so just to allow that sound then to, to help me move as well. So we're like water, you know, we're moving with life. We're not getting blocked because if you dam a river, isn't that it? It gets all stagnated and the, yes. the water kind of goes funny and, you know, so that ability to let it, let it flow.
1: And of course, I see you as being a very resilient person, Fiona. I mean, what would three take-homes be for a resilient mind for our listeners?
0: I would say one of them would be Mm -hmm. non-attachment. Practising non-attachment equanimity. um, And
1: that is really... Just explain what you mean by that. Yes,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's it's not being attached to either the good or the bad events in our lives. So, for example... You know, we can get very caught up with things when they go bad. We can go down that, you know, kind of um, tunnel of your hole. Um, and then again, the same can happen when we get attached to external success, perhaps. Our identity of who we are and um, how we're viewed in the world. So ultimately, resilience comes from when you're, when you're not attached to those outcomes, you're going to be resilient, because your sense of self is not attached to either of those, whether things are, as I say, going very well or unfortunately not. Um, So that would be one. The second one I would say is non-judgment, practicing non-judgment towards yourself but towards others. And that is, it's something we all need to be better at because even when we're not, you know, we're not aware of it, we are judging others. And I think that is, um, it's very toxic and it it leaves everybody at a loss. It leaves you because you you're left with this uncomfortable feeling from having judged another and it creates a negative energy. So I think being very aware of, am I actually judging here at the moment? And if so, can I pull back on that? Um, so I think that brings resilience because you're now in a, a more stable place and again you're, you're grounded um, and then I would say the third thing Mark would be compassion and I, I spoke about that in my first book um, The Positive Habit I spoke about compa- compassion based resilience which is the sense that our society often teaches us to put pressure on ourselves you know to achieve, achieve, you want to go to this university, you want to get that job, you want to get married, you want to, you know, the conventional calendar. Mm-hmm. However, um, compassion is actually much more helpful in terms of pressure because you, you have a, a really sustainable resilience. Again, not dependent. You can see how they all interlink, but not dependent on the outcome. So those would be the three
1: things. Yeah, I think that's, they're really wonderful ideas. And of course, compassion is so important, isn't it? Yes. For others and for yourself.
0: Yes. And and what I love about compassion is that it, it, there's an action involved in it. Mm. So we're not getting caught up in just being uh, empathetic and, mm. you know, now feeling really bad ourselves but that there is a genuine love and understanding that is followed by an action. So what can I do to help? Mm. And that actually really helps alleviate suffering and and makes the world a better place, Uh, rather than getting caught up, as I say, with just the emotional aspect of it. Let's see what can we do to, to make things better.
1: As we said earlier, actions speak louder than words, and compassion, as you said, is all about positive action. How can I support others? As I often say, you know, we, we we make a life by what we give to others. I
0: absolutely agree.
1: So, Fiona, what are your plans for 2022 in, in the well-being space?
0: Well, Mark, I actually have a brand new online course. And it's called Light Up Your World. And it's very much in keeping with what we've been speaking about in terms of finding um, your purpose and how to help others. And also, I am running a retreat in Greece on the island of Crete, in June. Uh, so those are the two two big um, events that are coming up for, for us at The Positive Habit.
1: Fantastic. And Fiona, finally for you, what's the meaning of life?
0: To find your purpose. Mm-hmm. To find your purpose. How are you going to make the world a better place? How are you going to help the world be better after you've been in it, when you're gone? And not in the, the sense of an ego and leaving a big legacy or anything like that. I, and I think that finding our purpose is, is so subjective, you know, um, and quite often people don't realize that their purpose is right there in front of them. You know, they think that maybe it has to be something grander or bigger, but purpose is everywhere. And, and it's finding that they talk about in, in um, Ikigai, you know, is, is the Japanese for um, a meaningful life. Um, and I think when we find that purpose, it elevates us. So we're now beyond our own selves and we have something that carries us forward. And each and every one of us, I truly believe, does have a purpose. Um, and it's, you know, maybe your purpose is helping some other people find their purpose. That's a purpose, you know. Um, I certainly know, having found my own purpose, how it has, has helped every aspect of my relationship or my my relationships, but of my life. Uh, because once i have that in place then it 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 creates an energy that that is positive and, and uh, benefits everyone
1: well I think focusing on on purpose and how purpose can be a catalyst to propel you forward in terms of enhancing life's meaning it's a wonderful way to end our podcast conversation Fiona it's been wonderful having you in the doctor's chair keep leading keep inspiring and keep being your purpose in the world thank you so much
0: Thank you, Mark. My pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening to my podcast in the doctor's chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkro.com.